welcome to the ICAW Insights in Focus podcast. I'm Philippa Lamb. Did you know that accountancy practices are one of the top three sectors most likely to be targeted by cyber criminals? Larger practices devote big budgets and sizable teams to protecting their systems. But what about smaller firms? How can they protect themselves and limit the fallout if they do come under attack? It's not hard to see why accountants are particularly vulnerable. Databases full of sensitive client information are a huge temptation to criminals, and they know all about the yearly rhythm of an accountant's work too. Attacks are most common during busy seasons such as financial year-end, when mistakes are most likely to be made. The cost of a breach? Well, that can be huge, both financially and emotionally. And defending a business takes vigilance from everyone working for and with the business. But how do you make that a reality? To discuss that, we're joined by a professional who knows just how it feels to experience a breach, Jessica Pillow, Director of Pillow May Accountancy, and also by Richard Jackson, Partnerships Manager at Privacy and Security Experts, More Clear Com. Jessica, Richard, thanks for joining us. Hi. Hello. Jessica, as I said, you know just how this feels. Your firm experienced a breach. Tell us a bit about your practice and, and what happened. So we're a practice of um, working mums based near Chippenham um, and our cyber attack happened in August when I was actually away in Vienna and a lot of my team were obviously rushing to get on holiday with their children too. And how it happened is one of our clients, um, they had their email hacked and then we had a request to pay out a large payment to a supplier and rather than following what should have been standard bookkeeping procedures because one of my colleagues was rushing on holiday, that didn't happen. And so what happened in this case was that money was paid out that shouldn't have been. Because it was a bookkeeping systems fault as well as obviously a a cyber issue, um, we did manage to to claim on the PI insurance, which was really helpful. And this was £45,000, I think, wasn't it, the the loss? Yes, it was £45,000 was the requested money that got sent out. And then the insurers covered about 30000 and the client said they wanted forty to settle. And obviously it was an important client relationship. So for me, it was very important that we did settle. So I therefore paid 11000 which was the 10000 plus the excess on the insurance. And we're about a turnover of about 300000 So that's quite a significant proportion of our um, business. Can I just ask you, you're on holiday. How did you feel when this suddenly, you saw the email, you realised what was going on? What was your kind of emotional response to this? I mean, it was a call. It was a phone call from the client, actually, who alerted me to it and said, all this money's gone out. And I was just like, oh my God, what's going on? So I obviously phoned my team. And I was literally about to get on a boat and to go somewhere, which meant I was going to lose reception for about three hours, which is really not ideal. So I just had to explain what was going on. I would quickly instruct my IT firm to get on and have a look and see what's going on and then I remember just rushing as quickly as we could to get back onto wi-fi so I could find out you know what else was going on and speak to the insurers and do everything else I take it really positively now because we learned a lot about how we needed to define our bookkeeping better that one and also we do a lot now of um, cyber and phishing training and obviously my team take it very seriously because they know how it can happen Richard I mean as I say we know accountants are a key target when are attacks most likely for that sector as with all sectors really you know there's always going to be some seasonality within the work that's undertaken and for accountants there will be periods of time when they're particularly under pressure and as in any any sort of human science really you know when we're under pressure we're less likely to be diligent we're more likely to make mistakes and these are well-funded organizations cybercrime is now more profitable as an activity than the entire global drug trade so that's the context 
that you know we're looking at there's this huge value there is an element that is designed to be damaging in other ways other than financial but in the main it's financial gain that is the motivation for this what sort of attacks do you see most often depending on the research that you read 80 to 90 percent of attacks on any on any organization will be facilitated by people so they will be a member of staff an employee that does something they probably shouldn't do for the most part by accident in some instances with malicious intent but it, it tends to be the phishing email we have voice attacks now which are much more prevalent and also uh, the use of text sms which is uh, referred to as smishing is, is coming into play as well but for the most part you know the the, the kind of hollywood cyber attack type movies where there's a, a server being attacked are not as common as the as the more subtle use of email as, a, as an entry point into organizations and in terms of target organizations is size an issue there because i think that you know perhaps has been a perception that bigger firms are more at risk but that doesn't sound like that's actually the case now no and i think smaller accountancy firms um, have been under the sort of view that they're, why would they be an attractive target? Now, at the end of the day, this is a sector that has been hugely, hugely progressive in adopting technology. All accountants will use a variety of third-party suppliers for, for software or practice management, payroll, etc., which which means that they then become exposed potentially to attacks through their supply chain. So although they might not be directly attacked, you know, if we talk, for instance, about a 10-person accountancy firm, they might not perceive themselves as, as an attractive target in any way to a malicious cyber criminal. But the services that they use might be. And we've seen that over the last two or three years with various practice management software providers that have suffered cyber attack. And the, the impact is directly upon their clients and the clients of their clients, if you like. So, we, you know, when we're talking supply chain, the ripples flow in every direction. And then there's also not all attacks are targeted. So we refer to drive by attacks and it's li- literally sort of testing defences indirectly to find chinks in, the, in that armour. Uh, but it, and it, it's a really interesting theme, really, that the pain of consequence sometimes can be that trigger for, for understanding, then an acknowledgement that we will all be attacked. And then it's a case of how would we recover in that instance. So is that what it's about? I mean, obviously, there's, there's the defence element, and then there's the tackling it when it happens and recovering after element. But is, is it largely about reducing risk now? And if so, I mean, what what do people need to be doing? If you think about risk and impact, they're, they're kind of two different things. So you can you can reduce the risk of anything happening by taking measures and putting the right measures in place. But you can also reduce the impact by having a good recovery plan and and being and accepting that it will happen and therefore you need to have those plans in place. Because if any organisation believes that something isn't going to happen to them, there's a, a good chance they also won't have then invested any effort and time in, in thinking how to deal with it when it happens. So if you adopt the stance that we will all be attacked or we will all suffer the impact of an attack, then we naturally need to start thinking about how to how to manage that recovery. So in, in terms of defence, every size of organisation and accountancy firm sh- should have measures in place to reduce it. Can I just say, it's not too expensive either. I mean, because we've got a lot of these IT, you know, we, we, we're outsourcing it all because we're a small firm, but actually it's not that ridiculously expensive. I think it might be £100 a month if it's even as much as that. It's not silly. It's not silly money at all. So, and I speak to lots of accountants who have no IT support, and to me, that's just ridiculous. I think that's it's fair to say that um, a lot of, and we're not talking about just accountants, but organisations that have that don't have contracted formal IT support, and it and it can be 
a relative or a friend who looks after their IT for them. I see that quite regularly. That's quite common. And as as Jessica says, the, the, the actual investment is far less than the impact of something going wrong. And we've talked about systems, and I think, you know, the sort of thing you've been discussing. But obviously, th- this is a people question, isn't it? Because as, as Jessica experienced, you know, the breach came about because someone clicked on something they shouldn't have clicked on or do- did something they shouldn't have done. So in terms of the kind of human science end of this and the cultural issue, what are your thoughts about that, Richard? A subject I have a huge passion for because it does relate to human science. And if, if we start to understand people and how we form trust uh, and how we trust implicitly from a young age uh, and sorts of uh, factors that come into play to help us form a decision about whether we should trust something we get a much better understanding of, of how social engineering works and, and which is essentially what phishing is and that's to when we look at for instance everyone's received the hmrc fake emails or from the royal mail when they work it's because they look genuine and that is through powerful branding, a consistent message, the sorts of things that we would expect to see in here will help us to piece together the factors that we will then form a decision about whether we can trust something or not. And that's the same as if, for instance, as, as children, we form opinions about who we can trust based on their visual look in terms of what they're wearing. Um, you might be statistically more likely to trust someone who's dressed in a suit than if they're more informally dressed. That's, that's the kind of trust filters we've all got built in. But awareness of the threat and awareness of what a phishing email looked like and awareness of the impact should be rolled out across every accountancy practice from top to bottom uh, and every person, particularly those who have access to email acting on behalf of the business should be given some cybersecurity awareness and training, particularly phishing emails on a regular basis. And really what we talk about there is building a human firewall. So it's that first line of defense. If we acknowledge that the, the research suggests that 80 to 90% of attacks are facilitated by people, then that would naturally be our starting point to get the, the most return on investment quickly, if you like, is, is to make sure that our people know what a phishing email looks like. And to also have that flat structure where even the most junior person in an accountancy practice is confident and comfortable to maybe challenge a managing partner or a partner to check that something they've received is genuine because authority plays a big part. Fraudulent emails, impersonating a CEO or a managing partner, for instance, are more likely to be successful because people are less likely to challenge them. So it's a fascinating subject, human science. It's probably far, it's way too much for today's podcast. But if we understand ourselves, then we can understand the mistakes we can make. So Jessica, what do you do under your roof now about training people about cyber risk? We have a programme with our IT company. So every two weeks, we have like a little snippet of um, something else about, you know, phishing or smishing or all sorts, all sorts of things on cyber. And, it, and it's different for every person. So um, it means that everyone's being trained on different things all the time. And so the discussions are more wide ranging when people talk about it. Um, and they're also in the background sending phishing emails or like regularly. And I get the results of that every month as well. So I can see, you know, who the likely risks are. Um, and actually, to be fair, my team are pretty aware at the moment. I mean, Richard, what's, what sort of advice would you offer in that area of embedding that culture that people feel they're not going to be blamed, there won't be terrible consequences to them if they, if they realise they've, they've made a mistake and they should come forward and say so quickly? Yeah, it is all about culture. 
and and that uh, that is something that can't be enforced and that you know you have to create a, a trusted environment where people can feel that they can be open and they can report and also that if they report something that doesn't actually turn out to be malicious that that is also celebrated because that that tells you that your team is prepared to put their hands up and they're prepared to come to you even if they have only a five percent concern that it might not be genuine you know if if you've got a workforce that is deciding for themselves that something doesn't or does need to be reported then it's very difficult then to monitor to monitor that threat and time is of the essence um so if you if you it's a little bit like lean manufacturing you only really hit that sweet spot when you see the real return on your investment when you have 80 percent of people bought in and invested uh, and that's the same very much with with your human firewall it's not a, a group of five or six people in a team of in a business of 100 that are running around trying to get everybody to to buy into it and putting posters up etc it really does need everyone in the organization to understand the importance it's not just a periphery issue these days it's a core business fundamental um, it's not something to be embarrassed by everyone will be attacked or will suffer the impact of an attack if you, if you liken it to the context of a, a tradesman who has their tools stolen from a van overnight i'm sure they locked their van but it's now something they accept is going to happen to them and it's kind of similar in a way this is just something we live with now and we just have to do what we can to mitigate the impact as and when it happens. I mean, you talked about supply chain being a vulnerability earlier on. Extending that culture into a supply chain, that can be more complex, can't it? It can, yeah. And um, I've been involved in recent webinars with the ICAW about supply chain uh, and how to understand the risks within your supply chain, how to assess those risks with those who supply services to you and all manner of steps that can be put in place to do that. But that's I think especially prevalent with accountancy because everyone is reliant on such a variety of services and provisions such as, you know, for instance, your CRM, which contains so much personal information that may have been in there for years in some instances and minimization of data. That's a, a great example of keeping only what you need. But your, your supply chain, we've had issues this year, I think earlier in the year when one of the, the well-known practice management software providers did suffer a malicious cyber attack. Even now, kind of September, October, their clients are still receiving phishing emails, I think, on the back of that. So the important thing there to be aware of is the UK GDPR requirements in respect of whether you're a data controller or a data processor. Because just because you're using third parties to perform activities on your behalf does not mean that that removes your responsibility. So that's very important. If you're an accountancy firm using five or six different software platforms for different elements of your business, that they all potentially pose a risk something could happen and it could then ripple through to you and your clients and cause you financial or, or reputational damage which is very difficult to reverse once these things go wrong i mean cyber criminals they're the definition of agile aren't they and and, and tricky economic times it's a perfect moment always looking for new opportunities new methodologies what are you seeing lately that's new richard what's what's in your eye line right now it is ever-changing. Uh, I think if we look at, for instance, at the last couple of years, just as a kind of more of a prolonged period, we've seen, I think, a 300% increase in attacks on CPA firms, on accountancy firms that was reported by Accountancy Today. We know that accountancy is now a top three target sector. There's definitely a correlation between the increase in malicious attacks and COVID, people working from home or working to a hybrid model. And I know that... Um, that many firms will now have processes in place to mitigate and reduce the risks of that. As we go into Christmas seasonality, we will most likely see a peak in attacks towards that sort of third week in December. And for accountants in January is, is definitely a high risk period. 
when everyone will be incredibly busy rushing to deadlines. You only have to look at LinkedIn and see the accountants on there telling everybody how busy they are and, and how much they've got to do, which will inevitably, because we're talking about human beings, reduce their diligence in respect of what might hit their inboxes. And organised cyber criminals know this uh, and they will ramp those attacks up. Well, I'm going to wrap this up by asking for your best piece of advice, Richard. Invest in your people, definitely. Build that human firewall. As an organisation, we provide the right kinds of, of technical support and guidance as well. But I think in terms of an immediate focus, make sure that your people know what a phishing email looks like and try and develop that open, transparent culture. Jessica? I think for me, it's probably about um, really, if you do get you know an issue, even if it's a minor issue, just trying to learn from it and then trying to put in a sort of system or process or something to mitigate it. Jessica, thanks very much for sharing your personal experience. And Richard, thank you for your insights on uh, what accountants can do to protect themselves. That is it for this episode. The next Insights podcast will be out in early November. We'll be looking at developments in the energy sector with ICAW Head of Business, Simon Gray. The next In Focus podcast will air later that month. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.